Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Tonight, our weekly poll is on a simple question and over the past 24 hours, there's a heated debate on Facebook about whether Africa needs strong leaders or strong institutions. What, which of the two, in your opinion, does Africa really need right now, right now? Strong leaders or strong institutions? You will recall that in 2009, in his address to the Parliament of Ghana on the 11th of July, then President Obama, I almost said then President, he still is President, said Africa does not need strong men, it needs strong institutions. Since then, the phrase has become a kind of mantra for politicians and Commentators on public affairs. This very week, John Benjamin, the British High Commissioner, reiterated the point that Africa and for that matter Ghana needs strong institutions. Well, this is an age-old debate among social scientists. So, which one do we need the more? Those who believe that we need strong institutions suggest that without a strong institutional framework, the strong leader's success will be hampered by an overdependence on the leader's personal charisma. They believe that an average leader can get outstanding results if there are strong institutions. However, those who vote for strong leaders are emphatic that even with strong institutions and legal frameworks or systems in place, without strong leaders to fully utilize them or let them work, they will be compromised or left redundant. Now, what do you think? Does Africa need strong leaders or strong institutions? Just share your thoughts with us. Post them on Facebook Springboard the Virtual University and we'll be glad to let the whole world know or you can post them on my Facebook page it's a raging debate out there already two compelling arguments which one do you support I'll be asking my guest very shortly what she thinks looking very gorgeous I'm going to be asking her what she thinks about leadership versus institutions but let me also remind you that we are on day number 30 of our 30 day journey throughout the month of November we've been exploring the 30 days or the 30 laws of personal growth if you don't know what the Springboard SMS Academy is it's just that very interesting experience of going to school on your phone. You receive a message every day on your phone and put together you get 365 messages a year. Collating them over 10 years, you are literally prepared for success in all fields of endeavor. This month of November, we've been looking at the 30 laws of personal growth and we decided to end it on continuous progress. And so the law number 30 is the law of forward movement. As human beings, we are wired for progress. Stop looking over your shoulders. Yesterday is gone. Put it behind you and march forward. And so the challenge for you today is to march forward. Next month, starting tomorrow morning... We begin a series on talents and wealth creation. How to use your talents to earn some income. If you are burdened by a single spine that is not giving you enough income, I'm going to show you how your talents can bring you some money. And that's happening throughout the month of December. What a way to end the year. 31 secrets of using your talent to make additional income. If the spine is not working, hey, get onto the SMS Academy by simply texting the word Springboard short code 1984. If you are on MTN or Airtel and if you are on Vodafone or Tigo, just text the word Springboard to 1985. 12 pesos a day is an investment that would transform your life. And so tonight, it brings me to the 
Leaders Digest, our main menu for the day. And it is edition number 13 of Leaders Digest. So far, we've interviewed 12 great leaders from various fields trying to distill what are the values that undergird their lives. Or as one will say, what are the pillars that hold their lives? We want to find out what has driven them in their pursuit of excellence. If somebody wanted to look at them and see what are the values, the, lead, the leadership principles that they work with, we would like to know. And my guest for tonight will be guest number 13 in the series of or we've called Leaders Digest. Let me remind you that at the end of this series, somewhere in the middle of December, we will collate all the values that we have had from all these these guests and put together a report that you can quote authoritatively as representative of the leadership thinking of the the Ghanaian corporate executives. And so we're going to put it out in the middle of December thereabouts. So look out for those, that compilation. But tonight, I get to interact with somebody who has... 25 years experience in HR practice. A company, Lene Services, recently celebrated their 20th anniversary. Her remarkable achievements have been celebrated with diverse awards, including Marketing Woman of the Year. Dr. Mrs. Ellen Hagan is an honorary fellow of the Boardroom Institute of the Graduate School of Governance and Leadership, graduate of University of Ghana, and she holds an MBA from the Graduate School of the University of Leicester. She has published two books that seek to enable people to press forward in their careers. And I'm going to be asking her, what is the driving force of her life? But tonight, I'm honored to have Ellen Hagan on Leaders Digest. Ellen, good evening. Welcome to Springboard. Thank you, Albert. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a blessing to have you. And tonight, we're going to be trying to unravel the engine of your person. Somebody says, listen, go to the engine. Don't don't, don't mind the body. Get to the engine. Look at the thinking. Look at what is the secret of the person's drive. And that will be the the, the quest that tonight we are embarking on. So we're going to find out about your values, your ambition, your your point of differentiation. Have you faced difficult moments? Who are your mentors you look up to? And have you made mistakes before? We're going to find out who is the person behind the person. But this is what we want to do tonight on Leaders Digest on Springboard, the virtual university. And then let me start with the big question that we've been trying to unravel today. Strong leaders or strong institutions. 20 years of the name. Is this strong leaders or strong institutions that built it? <laughs> well, for our country, I believe um, we need both. Right. We need um, systems that work. And we need leaders who will be uh, bold enough, who have the courage to ensure that people walk the talk. Right. Leaders who will be able to um, ensure that the system works and those who don't um, do what is expected of them will be punished. Right. And, and it's clear so that um, people will want to do the right thing and the systems work. Right. So in your opinion, systems work when there are rewards and sanctions backing them. Absolutely. And for those sanctions to be applied, we need strong leaders. Absolutely. Right. I'm going to be coming to this topic a bit more along the line because we will get the privilege along the line of being joined all the way from Manchester Business School by Professor P.K. Richardson, somebody that we know very well on this show. But let me give you some of the thoughts that are coming through so far, just so you get an idea about where it is trending. And so, Nia Yikwe says that I think presently we need both. First, the strong leader who will be bold enough to defy the current 
partisanship in our politics to build the strong institutions that we need for transformation and subsequently continuity in development. As Kamayao says, strong leaders make strong make institutions strong. Kwame Nasegu Ekremes says it starts with a strong leader who leads in the building of strong institutions. Rwanda's Paul Kagami is a contemporary African example. So is Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew. Michael Bruce says strong institutions could make strong leaders because they have tried and tested systems that help them achieve their vision. Atawira Patrick Logotwa says the Supreme Court landmark decision in 1802 in Marbury v. Madison, which established the principle of judicial review, is a classic case of strong men in action. So, yes, we need strong men to create strong institutions. Um, um, Atawira, let me tell you about Marbury and Mad- Madison. When I went to university first year, I was not sure what to do, whether to do law or economics. So I went to sit in the economics, in the law class. I, I, had, I had been given both law and economics. And so I was given my first case, Marbury and Madison. And I briefed it, but it took quite a, a, an effort to brief it. And then when I finished, Professor Fusuama gave us, along with Kumando, gave us 13 cases on one side and about five cases on the other. And I said, if Marbury and Madison will stretch me so much, I think I don't want to go through 13 cases on the left and then and then five cases on the right. So I retired from the law school after three weeks. So I remember Marbury and Madison very, very well. That's a bit of history for you. Right, so we will take a brief commercial break. But before that, let me remind you from our sponsors, EcoBank, about rapid transfer. I don't know if you've heard about rapid transfer, but rapid transfer from EcoBank lets you send and receive money within minutes across Ghana and throughout Africa. Rapid transfer is fast, convenient, and reliable. You can transfer as much as 30,000 Ghana cities, and funds arrive in the local currency. There are no charges for the person you are sending the money to. You don't need an EcoBank card or account to use rapid transfer from now or up till today, the 30th of November, there are instant gifts on offer for every transfer that you make. So if you want to make a fast, if you want a fast and convenient way to send and receive money, choose EcoBank Rapid Transfer as your preferred money transfer partner. Just visit any of EcoBank's 79 branches across Ghana or go to ecobank.com. Terms and conditions apply. EcoBank is definitely the Pan-African bank. We'll take this brief commercial break when we come back. Let's find out the pillars that hold the life of my guest Ellen Hagan, please don't go away. Ah, there's an EcoBank ATM. Now, check this out. I'm going to get money out without a car. Gosh, how did you do that? Don't you know that now you can withdraw cash from either MTN Mobile Money or Airtel Money at any EcoBank ATM and you don't even need an ATM card? Wow, that's great. And EcoBank has over 200 ATMs across Ghana. It's so convenient. Plus, it's super easy and totally secure. Withdraw cash at any EcoBank ATM from your MTN Mobile Money and Airtel Money wallets. For more information, just call free on short code 3225 from Airtel, MTN and Vodafone lines or 0302 That's normal charges. Terms and conditions apply. Echo Bank, the Pan-African Bank. 17 minutes past the hour of 7. This is Springboard Virtual University. It's the 13th edition of our Leaders Digest. And my guest for tonight, Dr. Mrs. Ellen Hagan, we're walking through the pages of her life. And Ellen, let's start with a typical day. So you woke up tomorrow, Monday morning. What is the day like in the life of the CEO of Lenny? What, What drives the day? Okay, if we're going to be very brief, uh, a word that will summarize it is busy. Uh, but no day is similar to the other. So, um, it's a busy day. You have several meetings planned. 
usually ahead of time. And then there is also a few, since we don't live in a perfect world, there are usually some um, fires that need to be um, quenched. Right. You know. So that's a typical day if it is a working day. Right. So at the, at the end of it, at the end of the day, what makes you feel that this has been it? Is it the things that you planned and you executed or the things that came up that you were able to deal with? Just as a matter of interest. Oh, the things that I planned that had me executed. I'm always driven by goals, you know, so we do our usual um, to-do list. So I usually cross out, when, when I'm able to cross out a lot of my, the things on my to-do list, I'm happy about that. But more importantly, if I'm able to um, move one step closer to the bigger picture, the bigger goal, that's really rewarding 20 years of running a business i mean when you when you when, when you hear about companies that have been there for 100 years you say when shall we get there <laughs> now we are beginning to have a, a number of companies come through that have done 20 years and, and they are preparing trans, transitionally for the next generation and all that what has been the biggest lesson in in building a company like Lene from scratch what has been the biggest secret, as it were, in quotes? Well, it's usually difficult when you're doing comparisons. I've learned a lot of lessons. I don't know which one is the biggest. Give me a couple of them. The um, one that comes to mind is that um, it's all about people. So if you get the right team, you do well. Getting the right team is a big issue, especially in our day matching the right person to the right job, making sure that as a leader you've put the person in the right position so that the best, they, they can give of them of their best, is always a challenge. Even if um, we are the best recruiters, even if we say so ourselves. So um, for me, getting the right team has always been um, what is a good lesson for me. And since... Um, my unction is in the marketplace. Yours is in the temple, I believe. A um, combination. <laughs> I'm a businesswoman, and uh, for me, my customers and their needs um, are important to me. Right. And uh, I know that if you get it the other way around, you don't succeed in business. The challenge of our customers is that they are always changing their their needs. You know, they want to do different things at different times. So you'd need to research, find out what they need, what makes them tick, and then get innovative and creating new ways of delighting them and exceeding their expectations. When you talk about reversing the rules, you say if you get, if you get the customer's needs right, you will succeed. If you reverse the rules, it will come back to bite you. What does it mean to reverse the rules? You mean placing money before the needs of customers? What do you mean by reversing? If you reverse no, the just that um, the focus should be on what the customer wants. Right. So for us, the customer satisfaction is the key to um, succeeding. And so, don't forget, we have internal customers and external customers. I'm talking in the broad right. sense of the word. So to you, the key to success is not just getting people in the right places, but also focusing at all times on customers and their needs. Absolutely. Right. Let me go back to the first point you raised about placement. Placing people in the right, getting the right people and placing them in the right positions. That's where your your, your whole life has been spent, um, more or less. Tell me, 
what do you look out for when you're looking for the right people? You've for my company or for other companies? Generally. I, I, I presume that the, the principles that apply generally would also apply in your organization. You've written about why are you here and other articles. I, I presume that's about purpose. But the two books that you've written mainly for job seekers, one is all about job interviews, second one is soft skills, what gives one job seeker an edge over another. What would you say are the key things that you look out for in, in placing somebody or spotting talent among other people? When we're looking for people to work in other organizations, we ensure that we find out what the competencies for that position are. You need to be very clear on what the key um, competencies are. So we look out for the right fit. You may be qualified. Do you have the skills? And then after that, are you are you a people's person? Are you um, able to work in a team? Are you results oriented? There are several things that employers are looking for in employees, and um, we want people with a positive attitude. People who look at the cup as half um, full rather than half empty. People who will not bad mouth um, the people they work with. People who are results driven and results oriented, you know, and so we, we look at that part of it, and then we look at the um, actual skill, whether the person fits the bill in terms of um, technical competencies right. as well. So but for us in Lene, it goes a little bit more, and I believe in most organisations. After we have done those things, you would also want to meet the applicant and see whether the person will fit into a, an, your organisation. So you can get, um, usually we will supply you with more than one candidate. Maybe we'll give you about four or five and you will talk to all of them, but you will think that one person will be able to work more with your team than the others. So you, you need people who will sort of fit your, your, your vision, your mission, your team and your general, um, the people you work with. Let me find out from you. Just as a matter of interest, if I push you to the wall and said, of the soft, apart from the technical competencies, of the soft skills, which one is it that you personally always look out for a bit more than the rest? Which one would you place a bit of more weight on, just for the benefit of our listeners? In Lene, there's something we call the Lene-ness. And we look out for somebody who is persistent, ambitious, who is who has learned something new within six months? Doesn't have to be anything big. Learned how to a new recipe. Learned how to drive. You know, somebody who um, is willing to willing and able to work with people, even they don't get on with. You know, so those are the the, the, the key things we will be looking out for. Somebody why? who why? For instance, why somebody who has learned something in the past six months? We believe that such people, such people are trainable and they will not, they are not cut in one mold. And therefore, if it doesn't work in a particular position, um, the person will no longer be relevant. We think that, um, people in business nowadays, 
Um, there isn't always the vertical progression. There's now horizontal pre- progression. So you need people who will be able to add more responsibilities to their job with the relevant training. So if you are not trainable and um, you, you are not flexible in your thinking and you are not ambitious, wanting to learn new things, um, you, you won't be very relevant. For the benefit of our listeners, um, expand for a minute on vertical and horizontal progression. Just for the benefit of our listeners, what does it mean? It doesn't mean that the jobs that are available now require you to spread yourself in different directions, do multitasking. What does it mean? Just, just, just so you get right. a sense of what it is. Right. You know, um, in our heyday, in our fathers and mothers' times, um, you'd get people promoted to senior principal, right, rat catcher, of a um, senior rat catcher and you get uh, promoted in court but right. you end up doing the same job and the world of work has changed so so much now you get promoted to do different things not necessarily in the vertical direction you right. get promoted horizontally right. so then you get um, additional right. responsibility but not necessarily getting the typical promotion in terms of getting a higher grade per se. It's 27 minutes past the hour of mm-hmm. 7 o'clock and if you just joined us my guest for tonight, Ellen Hagan of Lene Services, we are talking about the thinking that undergirds the building of a business that will travel beyond 20 years and also trying to find out her personal aspirations, her personal values, what it is that drives her and she's been sharing some thoughts so far. We'll be summarizing them for you along the line. As you know, we would always do, we would always do our ten commandments as usual. But she just spoke about horizontal instead of vertical. So if you've been thinking about promoting <laughs> from deputy assistant, principal, superintendent to senior assistant, just begin to think about the fact that you are now being required to multitask. So what you learned in school is great, but it's only a foundation for the several other things you are required to do. So expand the thinking. It's only but a springboard. It is a springboard indeed. <laughs> when you mention words like that, it just makes me happy on a Sunday evening. And so what what is your own experience and what questions would you have for Ellen? Just send them to us, 1422 Across Networks. That is how to send it to us or post them on facebook.com forward slash springboard the virtual university and we'll be happy to share them with the whole world. And one of the questions that we've been asking every leader who comes here are the pillars that hold your life, the values that you hold dear. We believe that every leader has a wide array of values that they work with. But I want to drill down three of them just for our own research purposes. As if I asked you over the 25 years as an HR practitioner and, and a leader for that matter, what would be the three most common or most dominant values that you work with and why? Hmm. For me, without thinking too much about it, I'll say I'm driven by my Christian principles. Right. Simply put, I'd like to do what pleases God and that will include transparency, truth, um, integrity and the works and then I realized that I'm obsessed with the brevity of life and the fact that even if you live to be a hundred years you'll find that life is short so I therefore try to redeem the time so I get on with the business of living and accomplishing the purpose God brought me into this world I usually get upset when I'm late or people are not time conscious so you know what Benjamin Franklin says about time? 
and we shouldn't squander it because such is the stuff that life is made of. Right. And then um, I also say that perhaps um, when you look at um, businesses, you should realize that if I'm looking at um, those things that drive me, then my customers, because as a businesswoman, I usually focus on um, my customers' needs. And then I try and come up with innovative products that will blow their minds. And therefore, excellence is the key. And I believe that the cost of non-quality is the same as the cost of quality. So if you are going to do something, you might as well do it well. I don't bother. So I have high standards and I tend to be troublesome where that is concerned. Right. So you just got them there. The three pillars that hold the life of my guest, Ellen Hagan. Transparency, truth, and integrity founded on her Christian values. That is number one. And then redeeming the time and pursuing your purpose. That is based on the fact that life is short or the brevity of life. And that is number two. And the third one is customer focus. And that drives itself on two pillars, innovation and excellence. So those are the three values. If you're trying to distill them for your own purposes, those are the three values of my guest for tonight. I'm going to take a brief break. When I come back, I'm going to find out about in pursuing these values, have you faced difficulty? Have you faced adversity? Have you faced challenges? Are there times when you have wondered whether there is a cost to pursuing these values? Have you felt like sometimes, Charlie, these things, let's put them aside and let's, man must live or woman must live, as it were. I'm going to take a, a brief musical break. What, what kind of music do you like, Ellen? Um, um, I like all sorts of music. Old school, um, what's that can just what called? Country music. I also have, um, like, um, worship songs. Whole melange. Right. And, and just in case you, you, you want to know who she was talking to, this one, I have to let you know because radio is not <laughs> like TV. If it was TV, you will see. So, um, Ellen dedicated the song to the person you were talking to on air, not off air, on air. <laughs> That is the only way I will let you go scot-free. Okay. So I'm here with my solid gold. My, uh, the, the guy in my life I call solid gold. And he drove me here. So he's been in the studio with us. My, my senior boy, I have to be of good behavior. With, with all respect. Please mention <laughs> the name. Gilbert Hagen. Gilbert, good evening and enjoy Yes, see who walked in. Oh, Somebody it, was just, have. it was just coincidence. She's the boss. She, she, she gives me instructions. And so it's just coincidence. <laughs> and it's 33 minutes past the hour of seven. It's right here at the Virtual University. If you are laughing, it's just because we have so much fun on the show right here on the Virtual University. Uh, and so the song that I'm going to play you is the song um, I Will Worship You by Danny Nete, used for congregational worship in several, several, several churches. And the first time I heard that song, I said, this could pass for any integrity music song, and it just would be the, that international touch. And Danny Nete is just an amazing talent. And so yes. the song is, I Will Worship You by Danny Nete. I want to dedicate the song to Yoni Kolende. Last year, around this time, we're doing Yoni at 50. It's from myself and Comfort and also from MFR and the children of, and of course the entire Springboard Ratio Foundation. Reverend Bernard Adiakwa and your wife Mansa, you'll be celebrating 25 years in marriage on Tuesday. Let me give you one 
heads up ahead of the celebration. And of course, my good friends, Emmanuel and Makaila Adibrooks of the Springboard Virtual Creative Writing Academy. Also enjoy the song by Gainetti. Please don't go away. When we come back, this discussion continues. This is Springboard, your virtual investing. Check this out. I'm going to get money out without a car. Gosh, how did you do that? Don't you know that now you can withdraw cash from either MTN Mobile Money or Airtel Money at any Ecobank ATM and you don't even need an ATM card? Wow, that's great. And Ecobank has over 200 ATMs across Ghana. It's so convenient. Plus, it's super easy and totally secure. Withdraw cash at any Ecobank ATM from your MTN Mobile Money and Airtel Money wallets. For more information, just call free on short code 3225 from Airtel, MTN, and Vodafone lines or 0302-213-999 at normal charges. Terms and conditions apply. Echo Bank, the Pan-African Bank. It is 23 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and this is Springboard, your virtual university. My guest, Dr. Ellen Hagan, we are walking through the principles and the values that undergird her life. 
And we've been asking ourselves the whole evening or the, or the whole weekend what Africa needs at this point, whether we need strong leaders or strong institutions. Let me read you some of the comments that have come through. George Aquamorgan says we need strong institutions, but how will we get strong institutions without a strong leader? Marcus Kate says the legacy of a leader must include strong institutions. Ani Osabute, right here at JFM, says Africa needs both. You need a strong leader who can challenge the system in order to get things right. So far, it, it would seem that there's a strong preponderance towards strong leaders. Terence Tando says, listening to Madame Elizabeth O'Haney talk about, with reference to Botswana episode, I'm inclined to agree with the strong institutions concept. It is working in Botswana. It can equally work in the rest of Africa. Uh, Abel Kueshen says, strong leaders... Strong men or strong leaders only last a generation or two. Strong um, institutions do not have a life span. What is your opinion? And I can see some nodding from um, Ellen Hagan in here as uh, we bring that point across. Emmanuel Kwabla says Obama's statements can only be true if Africa is somewhere near the summit of its upliftment from severe underdevelopment. So Emmanuel's point is that when it gets better, we will then need strong um, institutions. Or for now, we need strong leaders. William Ochefrempon, Dr. William Ochefrempon says strong leadership precedes strong institutions. And then let me read Manasseh Azuria Winnie, who says we need strong men to build strong institutions. After that, then the weak men, even weak men or weak leaders can steer them by strong leaders. I'm not talking about dictators or political despots, but leaders, men, and of course, women with integrity, strong moral principles, and good conscience as the building blocks of the strong institutions. It's a debate that has been going on, and there are some very strong perspectives, even though I must admit that there is some leaning towards strong leaders. I'm going to be talking to somebody who lives walks and dreams leadership. Professor Piki Richardson lectures in MBA courses across the whole world. Let me find out from Piki whether it is Africa needs strong men or strong leaders for that matter or strong institutions. Piki, good evening and welcome to Springboard once again. Good evening, Prof, and welcome to Springboard. Thank you very much. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well and I hope that the weather in Manchester is good tonight. It's not very good, I'm afraid. <laughs> I wish it were. Right. So, um, in July 2011, I believe, President Obama came to Ghana and mentioned that Africa needs strong institutions and not strong leaders for that matter. Just as a matter of interest, this week, the British High Commission has also mentioned that Africa needs strong institutions. But there's a raging debate across Ghana that we we need strong leaders to build those institutions from your perspective as a leadership expert and your understanding of the continent do we need strong leaders or strong institutions and why right um but one obama said we need strong institutions rather than strong leaders he was not saying that strong leadership effective good leadership wasn't what was required he was referring to the Bubutus and Sisekus of the world. He was re- referring to the dictators, the strong men, you know, people that they call strong men. These are the dictators um, who don't take any dissent and they don't like democracy and so on. He was referring to those, not strong, effective leaders. Because in any case, in order to have a strong institution, it is leaders who create that. Institutions don't come from uh, magic. It's not uh, uh, due to good luck or chance. Effective, strong 
very good if uh, uh, ethical leaders actually establish institutions. And the institutions are as strong as the leaders who oversee them. Because you can talk about the police, you can talk about the law courts and so forth and so on. You can establish all the laws you like in the world. If they are not implemented, the laws are not implemented, if they are not effective, if we don't have people, leaders who will ensure that the law courts work well, the police system works well, it will only be on paper. So good leaders, good, strong, effective leaders actually establish good, strong institutions. They go together. And Obama wasn't saying that, you know, you shouldn't have effective, strong leaders. He was talking about the Mobutu circles of the world, the dictators, that Africa doesn't need these strong men. Rather, they need people who can establish strong institutions. And only good, effective leaders can do that. Prof, in your in the course of your travels across different countries, will you say that the peculiar needs of uh, when it comes to either people or institutions, the peculiar needs would vary based on the stage at which that country is in its developmental journey? You may say that, but you see, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Knowledge is now available. If you want to set up a motor car industry in Ghana, we are not going to go and try using wood. Experiment with wood, just as others did it 3,000 years ago when they were beginning. The knowledge is available, so you pick it now and use it. You know that you know, there's going to be an internal combustion engine. You need steel because wood will burn. Those who started first, they tried wood and it burned. And then eventually they got to steel. Are you also going to start with wood when you know that wood will not work? The knowledge is available. So we know that in order for any system to work well, there must be rules. For example, if you steal, we put you in jail. We have this rule to enable people not to steal so that you know, that community works well. Now, if people can steal and get away with it, then that institution called the legal system has collapsed. And we need ethical, we need strong people who will say, this is the law we have made for the good of our community. We, are, we will make sure that it works. You see, we have all the laws we need in Africa and in Ghana and so forth and so on. It's just that we subvert them. We don't allow them to work. If we allow the institutions to be strong in the sense that they actually work, those who lead make sure that the institutions work, things will be fine. Things will be fine. Even before we had uh, the white man come over and colonialism and so forth and so on, we had the, the, the chief taxi system. If you took somebody's wife, you were taken there, and, and you, your sanctions were applied to you. And that made sure that people would... Hello, Prof. Right. So we lost that call there, but it, it would seem... Hello, Prof. Yeah. Hello, Prof. Yes. So just to summarize your thoughts, would you then be of the opinion that the, the, the legal framework, the institutions in place are adequate, as it were, if we give it the, the bite, if we give it strong ethical leadership, or what, what you refer to as strong leadership, not strong men per se, yes. but strong I leadership. Think in Ghana, we've got everything. All the laws, the statutes, the books, everything is fine in Ghana. The institutions, the police, the law courts, we've got it all on paper, fine. Except that we survey them, we don't allow them to work. How come that if the Supreme Court of the land, that's one institution, the Supreme Court is an institution that is supposed to do a certain job. If the Supreme Court rules that somebody is taking money illegally and that person must refund, the leaders there, you see, the strong leadership will ensure that that law is applied. 
But if it's subverted and that law is not applied, then that Supreme Court, that institution, is not strong. It's weakened. And it's got no basis, it's only exists on paper. That is the problem. We've got all the laws we need. Shall we allow the laws to work? Shall we allow the police system to work? Shall we have leadership that will ensure that the institutions actually work as per the way they were established, established to do? So, Prof, your, your submission is that we need strong leadership. Hello, Prof. Yes. So your conclusion is that we need strong leadership to drive those institutions to get the results we seek. Yes. And Albert, can I just finish by saying that in every area of human endeavor, without strong effective leadership, nothing is achieved. Whether it is in institutions, whether it is in, you know, getting people to build a house or getting people to build a bridge and so on. The, 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 ingre- the most important ingredient in any area of human endeavor, if there's going to be success, is leadership, whether it's an institution or anything else. So unless we have a leadership that says, this is what we have set to do, this is the right thing to do, and we are at the leadership and we will ensure that the right things are done, we will never make any progress. Leadership is the number one ingredient in every area of human endeavor. Thank you very much, Prof. P.K. Richardson. Have a wonderful time, and let's see you when you next arrive in Ghana. Thank you very much, Albert. I'm now looking forward to see you, and maybe coming over to the studio with you. To By all this. Thank you so much, sir. Right. Professor P.K. Richardson is a good friend of Springboard, and he, he's, he's, he's done the circuit quite a, a few times, and he's an authority on leadership, and he's suggesting that, listen, we have the institutions that can work. What we need is strong leadership, and he distinguishes between strong leadership, strong ethical leadership, and the strong man or the strong leader in quotes, which he says refers to Mobutu's, uh, the Mobutus and the dictators and despots, and that's what Africa does not need. But he submitted that we need strong leadership, and when he got to, he got to the part of sanction, um, Ellen was just was just um, nodding her head because she it's a point she had made earlier on. The, my guest in the studio, just in case she joined us not too long ago, Ellen Hagan is the CEO of Lene Services. They celebrated 20 years in business um, a, a, a month or so ago, and and she's walking us through the pages of her life, teaching us a few lessons that she's learned. I want to ask you now about adversity, mistakes, setbacks. When somebody hears 20 years, they say you are lucky. Are, are you lucky, Ellen? Are you lucky? I'm blessed. Luck has got nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it. And I don't say it with any apology. Or rather, I say it with no apology. Right. So <laughs> you, you don't believe in luck? No. Luck has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's God's grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy. Mm. Do you find space in the hard-nosed corporate world for Christian values? Oh, yes. If... um. <laughs> you're not shy about it and or apologetic about it I believe um, it is difficult to do clean business in Ghana but it can be done you know um, nobody, nobody said it was easy that's why they call it the narrow path and um, in our world especially because of these um, systems that do not work if you want to, to build you need uh, a building permit. And, of course, maybe if you have timelines. Um, our system is such that when you want a building permit, it will take forever. But um, if you don't want to... I was talking to one of my um, 
colleagues who are in the building industry and I, and, and they confess, they give bribes all the time because if they don't, they never get anything done on time. And um, a lot of our businesses are like that. One man, no chop, syndrome, everything. And you, you need to de- make a decision as to how you want to do your business. Does it cost you sometimes? Do your Christian values sometimes cost you in business? Oh, yes. And do you look back sometimes with regret? No. I mean, I'm sorry I may have lost a business or two, you know, but um, I, I, I want my peace of mind, you know. Um, if you go the roundabout way and the long way, um, I usually um, refer to it as um, the G- GPS, you know. I don't know everything, and and as humans, that's our, um, our our situation. We can't know everything, but you you have to listen to the voice of God, and what you, um, you are guided to do, uh, according to Christian principles. So sometimes um, the GPS that we use, uh, you make some mistake, but as the tom tom or the GPS is usually called, when you you, you make a wrong turn. It says recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> so it, it recalculates and sends you back on track. So yes, we, we make mistakes and we, we don't do um, um, everything, take the right decisions and everything. But we, we, we by and large, we get by. Um, if you, you, you are determined enough to do the right thing, um, God takes care of you. Do you sometimes, is there a particular mistake or setback that you look back on and you're like, that was, that was a tough one? Have you gone through a, a moment of adversity, some mistake you made, something that cost you very much that you look back at and you say, wow, that was a huge error. It could have really, really set me back for life. Well, in the course of business, just for the benefit of somebody who may know. have made that kind of mistake and is wondering, can they pick themselves up again? Yeah, all the time. There's several. One I would like to share is, for instance, um, we, we usually go into agreements with all sorts of stakeholders who want us to do businesses with them. So there was a very big contract that we were doing and we, we, we won the bid, you know, amongst a lot of, um, um, Compl- competition, right. yes. So I was fairly, I was, I was, I was very happy and pleased that my team had put together a proposal that had won the bid. So we took the bid to, um, one of our lawyers to, Look through for us, and lawyer said there was a clause inside there that was not um, suitable. Yes, so we should have them change the the clause. And when we took it back to the client, the client decided that they they wouldn't um, um, look at it and decided to go with it another um, with with another um, company. You know, so I wonder. You know, you look back, and the, the contract was a really big one, and you wonder whether. Um, it was good we pointed out the clause or we should have just let it go, you know. Right. And so these things happen. But the multitude of counselors is supposed to be safety. Would it, with the benefit of hindsight, where exactly do you think, and yet this is just for the benefit of somebody listening who probably, if I open the phone list, I'm sure they'll both call me to say, listen, you just spoke my heart. Is it the case that maybe at the point of signing, before you signed, you should have read it a bit more thoroughly or run it, which is the big lesson you've learned, that you should have had legal look at it before you signed, or the debate is about whether post-signing you should just have moved on and executed it or not. No, which, the contract had not benefit. been signed. Right. It had just been written. And usually with contracts, if you are, um, you, you, if you follow um, 
good governance. You should make sure that whatever contract you sign is in conformity with the rules and regulations and the laws in the country. Right. So your lawyer so should read, lawyer it, should, you should read right. it. Yes. Right. So uh, when it was read, the advice was that a particular clause was troublesome. So we should um, um, have them take a second look at it. Right. And we couldn't have um, uh, we couldn't have foreseen. Right. That um, they would have just decided, and there are a lot of people who will jump at, uh, uh, you know, opportunities like that without crossing the eyes and the teeth. So, you know, they just went for the the other company that wasn't so, you know, mysterious about it. Uh, yeah, who who wasn't who didn't care about doing the right thing. Right. You know. So, if you if you survive twenty years living like this, there must be something you are doing right. Well, maybe we would have become bigger. Such a list the hour of, of 8 o'clock If you just joined that us fine. My guest is Ellen Hagan We're just having a wonderful time Talking about the hard choices We have to make as business people And I'm going to run you through some of her thoughts But Ellen, do you have mentors? People that you look up to People who have been a source of guidance for you over the years Yes, lots of them For different things and at different times I'm thankful for uh, my siblings Who... Um, I'm happy to say I don't make the mistakes they made, you know. So I get Are they older siblings. Yes, I'm the last born. You really? Yes. <laughs> so um, you you have uh, you don't have to reinvent anything, you know. You you know such, some of the things that can work, and some that won't work. And I'm thankful for my mom who taught me how to balance um, uh, business and running a home, and uh, the love for family and for God. She taught me about um, the importance of hymns, the words of hymns being even more important than the tunes. You know, she taught me about my sense of dressing. You know, I'm thankful for um, people who, you know, when we talk about mentoring, a lot of times um, we really mean people who inspire us. We watch from afar, we admire, we do, you know, we, we, we learn from them. And um, but I'm talking about the the ones that I've been privileged to have, you know. Those are the mentors. Yes, the, the one the ones you see from afar could be called role models for that matter. Yes, right. So so um, I've had people who um, had mine. I like picking the brain of a lot of people. I'm not afraid or shy to say I don't know, and I ask people for um, guidance and thoughts on issues. I remember when we were starting our family, we beat a real a, a well trodden path to Araba Safadidi's door. <laughs> you know, yeah, to, to to pick her brain about how to raise the children, why the other one is fighting so much with this person that she need deliverance, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, she got a show on family and parenting. But let me let me ask about combining, combining, mm. combining business and family. What would be the one big key that you have learned? I mean, I, I look at yourself a little bit. Beautiful, beautiful relationship from where I sit. What is the one big thing that we can carry away from it? About what? One big, one big lesson we can learn about managing family and then um, managing business. Right. Um, hmm. You make it sound so simplistic, but for me, um, I was taught by my dad that um, it's good to be assertive and to know your own self worth. And I don't know whether because I came as a baby last, that also helped because. I, I was just, you know, pampered. And so I wasn't afraid to, to, to dream and, and, and take what I wanted. 
And so, and then we came from a very strict background. You know, you, you, you can't, my father was very strict. You can't come to our home. I mean, the young men of our times to come and walk around there. So it was only when I got to the university that I got to know about how to select and to choose friends from the opposite side. I went to Wesley Girls, so I didn't have the meal. The same from that close. You had a very crazy so, debate about single gender school versus. Yes. <laughs> Let's wind down on what you do um, for your hobbies. I just have about 30 seconds more. What do you do to relax? Hmm. Apart I, from singing hymns. I try and read. I swim. And I sleep. I like being massaged as well. So I have a massage that I call in to help take the out of my shoulder. You do a stressful job, so I can appreciate that last bit. Let me give you the 10 commandments of Ellen Hagan, the 10 things I've learned listening to you. I learned from every one of my guests, and I take time, I take copious notes from them because I also don't don't feel well, inhibited at all to learn from my guests. So, number one lesson I've learned from you is about people. It's all about people. Getting the right people and placing them in the right place positions is key to success. That is number one. Number two is about customers and their needs. You mentioned that you are customer-centric. You are focused on customers. And if you take your eye off the needs of your customers, it could affect your growth as a business. Number three, you talked about recruitment and selection. And you said the key things you look out for is the competencies, technical competencies required and then the people, the person must be a people's person and be able to work in a team. The person must be results-oriented or driven and must have a positive attitude. That means the person must be able to work with other people. You mentioned that in the day you go the extra mile to look for people who are persistent and ambitious. And I like the part where you say they must have learned something in the past six months. Please, if you haven't learned anything in the past six months, please don't bother. You will fail. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you haven't learned anything. A, a new recipe. Pastor Ransford, what have you learned in the past six months? Come into the studio and tell me what you have learned in the past six months. If you haven't learned anything, please, if you go for an interview, I'll you feel. The fourth one is about preparing yourself for um, horizontal and not vertical progression. Many people have a linear um, expectation about career progression. He says, this, this, it is horizontal progression. The fifth one is about the three values of her life. And she says they are transparency, truth, and integrity, redeeming the time and the customer focus. The next one is about the cost of low quality is the same as the cost of high quality. So why is it so for less? I love that one as well. Then she talked about Christian values and says the system sometimes makes it difficult to live by the Christian values. But even though it will cost you pursue that narrow path. And then she talked about mistakes and she says in the course of her life she's made quite a number of them including one that or uh, one costly one that she looks back on and she says wow what, what a difference would have made if I got that one but hey that is what life is all about. We learn and then we grow. On mentoring, she says she's benefited from the guidance of her siblings and loved ones all around her. Lessons from the mother and lessons from the father. And then finally, just in case you want to know what she does to relax, she sleeps, she reads, and then when life is good, she enjoys her massage. Next week, we come your way once again with another explosive edition of Leaders Digest on Springboard the Virtual University. Until then, on behalf of Comfort, Amos, and Matthew, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. My name is Albert Okran. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A. 
for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,